0: Dirty Bird Podcast contains foul language and is not appropriate for young fledglings. Listener discretion is advised. Our intro music is brought to you by Ricky Pistone, a.k.a. Dick Piston. And our outro music is brought to you by the Sidewalk Slammers. Check them out wherever you get your music.
1: Are you looking for a podcast today?
0: Welcome to Dirty Bird Podcast, a podcast that's serious about birds, but nothing else. Um, Today, I have a great episode for you guys, um, a great interview with Gavin McGrath, one of the lead animal handlers at Maymont in Richmond, Virginia. Gavin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. um, Gavin's going to have some great stories for us about some of the amazing birds that he works with on a day-to-day basis. Um, but Gavin, I just wanted to like start off the show, which is kind of asking what got you into birds in the first place.
1: Yeah. Um, I think one of the first things that I kind of noticed, um, was growing up near water. I would always be super into watching like ospreys or bald eagles, um, kind of, you know, do their hunting routines and everything. Um, and it, kind of like struck a chord with me when we stopped seeing them as much um with all the DDT problems that were happening in waterways and all that um and so in college I got really into birds uh not only from my job but taking ornithology um ornithology just it opened up like a whole world of like you know birding in general um but just like just packing my brain with knowledge and becoming obsessed with like finding different species and all that
0: yeah man I know I'm so jealous like I wish in uh college I had taken advantage of that some of the ornithology courses instead of what I'm doing now which is just like trying to learn from the ground up
1: yeah yeah I mean it was it was um I mean shout out to uh my professor at VCU whose name I'm blanking on um (laughs) but she she was amazing and uh it was just it was such a great course and then paired with like the lab too um when the lab was just us going out to bird and yeah like 6 a.m field trips through vcu so it was kind of like right up my alley like from the uh, beginning
0: so would y'all like go in the city in vcu or go outside of it
1: uh it depends Depended on the day. Like one day we walked around Hollywood Cemetery, uh-huh. um, and then one day we did stuff at Maymont too. Um, but yeah. other days we would go out to like Reedy Creek, or we went out to uh, BCU Rice Center, uh, and I believe it's somewhere in Williamsburg kind of area, um, or like I don't know, on the way down there. But yeah, um, all the areas we went to were just it was so diverse, and you could see like. Uh, you know, like grassland species at this one place, or we went to, uh, uh the bay one day. So we saw lots of seabirds and, um, and then in Richmond, you see like all the typicals, uh, but it was also cool cause they started it in winter. It was like a winter beginning lab. And then as spring kind of like sunk in our, our species count just kept increasing and getting bigger and bigger and more, uh, diverse with all the migration that was happening. Yeah. Yeah. So for that was sure. really neat. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's awesome, dude. Yeah, I'd, yeah. Man, I'd be real interested in just like, cause, uh, you know, uh, I'm recording Virginia Beach right now. Grew up in Yorktown, not too far from Richmond and everything, and have probably birded in some of those same haunts. So I'd be super interested in in those species and everything. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, water species definitely were something that got me into birding too. I mean, who doesn't love seeing a great blue heron out? stalking some fish um and i mean bald eagles are are always breathtaking
1: um yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah the, um, the the herons like my family's always been obsessed with them so like they and they're so pterodactyl like you know like, <laughs> yeah. it's hard not to love them that
0: call <laughs> yeah
1: yeah they said they truly sound like what you would think of like a dinosaur sounding like i feel like <laughs>
0: I know, I know. I feel Jurassic Park should go a little bit more accurate and just like have a the T Rex instead of roaring, it just makes a big old blue heron call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe it would make the movies more of a comedy than a thriller, but hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So much suspense up until that moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone should go through and just like dub over all the um you know, dinosaur roars with like actual like bird
1: calls. That's gotta have been done, I feel like, right? Like <laughs> if somebody's it had, gotta yeah. have taken that time. <laughs> I'll get on YouTube after. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> we'll share the link. <laughs> well, Gavin, um, can you kind of just tell us about, you know, what's your work like? Like day to day, what are you doing?
1: Yeah. Um, so first thing in the morning when I get to work, um, I'm kind of like reading uh records from the day before, uh prepping diets checking my emails, all that fun office stuff. Um, but then I guess the diet prep isn't that normal, but, um, (laughs) at that point I just kind of like load up a vehicle, um, and go out into the park. Uh, I feed out mostly our ungulates kind of early in the day. Um, Mm. so the elk and deer and bison and, uh, bison or bovine, but, um, I feed out most of our animals kind of like in order going down into the park. Uh, so if you've ever been there, um, the Raptors are kind of like one of the last things that you get to before the bears. Um, so I'm just working my way down, feeding, cleaning, medicating, um, training, you know, doing all operant conditioning training. And then, um, I go down to the birds of prey on Mondays. Uh, I weigh all of our birds of prey, um, with like positive reinforcement training and then, um, I clean all the enclosures as well. So okay. that's all done right before lunch. Uh, and that's with like all the animals outside of the farm and nature center. Cool. That's nice yeah. to,
0: to end with the birds of prey. And, and, what, uh, what birds of prey are you, um, uh, to help and take care of?
1: So I work with, um, two bald eagles, two red tailed hawks, a barn owl, uh, two barred owls, one great horned owl, a black vulture, um, red shoulder hawk broad wing hawk and um depending on like you know the the day or time i'm working with chickens and ducks too yeah <laughs> yeah a little bit less fearsome <laughs> yeah exactly They're, they can still get you them, that's true yeah. that's
0: true sometimes <laughs> yeah. chickens are, are a little evil um yeah um, amongst those birds of prey do you have a favorite or are they like your children like you you love them all equally
1: you know, it's more. It's funny because everyone asks me that. I I have a really soft spot for um, our broadwing hawk kettle. Um, she's just so tiny and and really charismatic. Um, she's come a long way with like her health. Um, so like all the birds of prey are post rehab animals, mm. and they deemed they were deemed unreleasable. So the characteristics can sometimes be a little flighty because it's not like this bird was born in a human care setting. Yeah. Um, and like used to people sometimes they're really not understanding that we're trying to help them still. Mm -hmm. So once those birds come to us, um, seeing how they progress over the years is really cool. And kettle is one of those birds that we've kept figuring out problems and, and establishing new protocol or anything like that to help her out. Um, including, like, surgeries and things like that. Wow. Um, So she's just – she's really special to me. Yeah. Um, But for the most part, like, they're all so different and so interesting. Um, I can't really – I can never really, like, give, like, a favorite animal um, when it comes to birds of prey uh, in the collection that Maymont has. Um, But I guess it depends on, like, the day for them too because one of them – our great horned alzina does not really care for me at all Um, (laughs) he doesn't like your face (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty impressive it was like day one she decided she did not like (laughs) me and she's kept it up pretty well she's starting to get a little bit more used to me which again like kettle it's it's a uphill battle when it's happening but once it it starts to kind of like work your way it feels so nice
0: yeah i'm sure it's a really rewarding experience you know seeing the progression and, and, uh, you know, them get healthier and, and obviously you being so involved in our care. What, um, what kind of state, like, what is your first memory of Kettle when, when you first saw her? What was, what kind of condition was she in?
1: So, um, a lot of the animals that we get are already rehabbed. So okay. they've already gone, gone through the process of being in the rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the sen- the rehab center can either decide I want, we, we deem this animal to be able to go right back into the wild. They're fine. They just had a, a broken beak and we, we put it back together. Mm. Um, or you have the, the opposite, which is they are so far gone to a degree um, that they just are not fit to be able to take care of themselves. So whether it's an eye injury, which a lot of our birds have, mm-hmm. or a broken wing, um, anything like that. So Kettle didn't come to us in like rough condition, but um, seeing how her training has progressed and seeing how um, charismatic she has just grown over the years is really, it's really fun to watch. That's awesome, man. Yeah.
0: Uh, um, When you were talking about, you know, putting together the diets for, uh, you know, all the animals you're going to go feed in the morning, uh, what does the diets
1: for the birds of prey look like? It's, um, You know, I always laugh at this because it's uh, really different between each species um, and each individual of those species. Oh, really? (laughs) If we have two birds of the same species, they don't eat the same. (laughs) Um, And I don't know why it's like that. um, But uh, so we, we weigh our birds every single week. Um, based on those weights, then we'll adjust diets. Uh, we'll make them higher if they need to go higher. We'll make them lower if they need to go lower. We'll add supplements, things like that. Um, so for our red-tailed hawks, it's uh, what we call BOP, which is a bird of prey diet. So it's just like basically whole ground animal, like not a lot of bones in there, but there's you, you'll find tendons and, yeah. you know, and all that goodness. Um, so they get like some, some, what we call like meatballs uh, and then mice or chicks. And then it doesn't vary too much, go into all the other animals. Um, they get chicks, mice, uh, the eagles will eat smelt and chicken thighs, oh. Um and bop and stuff like that and then <laughs> some meat yeah <the>, <laughs> uh, yeah yeah it's a bop right um but then the owls uh they have different tastes as well like one will only eat mice one will eat bop and mice um but it also we consider our diet um changes and and composition based off of what kind of training we're doing with the animals so sometimes um certain diets that we could use get like a little uh i'll say like sloppy like if you if you're trying to use small pieces for small reinforcements it just mm-hmm. becomes too much of a mess so a lot of the time we'll kind of um lean one way or the other if, if they're doing a training
0: okay um and the training is that to like you're trying to train them to help like facilitate you know their their long-term care and everything in a you know kind of human controlled environment
1: yeah, exactly. Um, it's all husbandry training done with positive reinforcement. So we have our black vulture who was imprinted on humans. She's really, really great with being around us. So um, we have husbandry training and I guess like even guest presentation training at times. The husbandry training, she can go into a crate willingly. She can go into a net willingly um, and she can get onto a scale willingly, which is all amazing. It's it's really helpful um, in decreasing not only her stress during those situations but ours as well yeah Um, because i'm sure as you know like vultures will just vomit all (laughs) over the place if you need to catch them or it's really yeah (laughs) or poop yeah it's like yeah yeah um and she actually she caught me on the chin not that long ago during like a vet catch up and and i was like you know you're really adapted to rip you know skin off of off of bone and and all that stuff so um, it, it was just impressive to, to be on the receiving end of something like that, but yeah, you're part um, of the bop diet now, man. Exactly, yeah, she digested me.
0: <laughs>
1: but, um, did you factor nice? that into her uh, her calories? Yeah, for the yeah, week? I, I decreased her <laughs> about a gram the next day. <laughs> but, um, so for her, those things are really important to reduce that stress and trying to, you know, like decrease the stress is like part of our whole job. Um, But she can, we also have the option for her to use like this little tiny easel and a paintbrush. And it's a way to show like how manipulative her beak is that she can peck this, this brush and make it paint on this little tiny canvas, like a two by two canvas. Oh, that's um, so cool. It's really neat. Um, It's a behavior that I don't get to do much with her, but it's really, it's a nice, uh, visual way of seeing it with that's not gory or anything yeah, like that too. yeah. <laughs> wow no that's awesome
0: um i mean I, you always hear about like uh um dolphins painting and stuff like that but um man that's that's awesome with uh her doing her little uh what do y'all do with those little uh paintings
1: you know, I, I, when we do tours um, or when we were doing tours, uh, we would kind of give them to somebody in that group. But our um, animal training manager who has recently kind of gone on to another facility, um, she had this giant collection of all these animal paintings <laughs> throughout the years. Because to them, it's actually like really fun. A lot of the time they get um, or as, I mean, what we can assume is fun to them. But they get rewarded every single time they're doing it. They're able to have all these new like textures that they're feeling and and all that. So um, even our like, you know, our I know we're, this is not dirty bears, but our bears uh, paint like, you know, these big old canvases and everything. Um, so sometimes we'll even sell them. Like last winter, we sold a bunch of them um, that just that money just went right back into animal care. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, for the most part, we just keep them on our desk and just stare at them.
0: that's awesome um yeah well cool um is there any part of the job that like i don't know people wouldn't really i don't know expect or that surprised you when you know you first got the job description and everything and then you started kind of i I don't know you were surprised by it
1: um i would say the one of the most surprising things is like how little the public actually knows about animals a lot of the time. Um, So like getting to educate people is usually like very rewarding because people, you know, stuff that seems so routine and and normalized to me just from years of working at, at, in this field, Mm -hmm. um, a normal guest just has like maybe no idea that a Bobcat is named a Bobcat because of its Bob tail, (laughs) you know, like something silly like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really surprising to me. But then even, um, you know, like some people are always surprised. Like when I say, you know, we have to work on Christmas or, uh, 4th of July, you know, all these holidays we're we're a seven days a week facility, no matter what, yeah. um, because the animals aren't, they don't know what that means. So, <laughs> like, you know, they need their breakfast and they need their medication and everything like that. So that was kind of like a, a shock, I guess, going into it. Cause I was, um, I was pretty young when I started at Maymont. So it, yeah. it was kind of my first like real job. That's awesome. And um
0: you've still been going with it and everything. I mean, obviously you you find it pretty fulfilling and it, I mean, it sounds like hard work, but also a lot of fun. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. Getting to know all those different <laughs> personalities of all the animals sounds really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's like, you know, no matter what, I, I would love being in the zoo field for longer. Um, but I think something about Maymont is really special to so many people, um, getting to walk through, you know, like these historic gardens and historic estate, and then see all this really cool Virginia native wildlife. Um, it's very, uh, like, I guess for lack of a better term, like it's, a ego fluffing sometimes like when when you get to tell people you work at maymont because i'm (laughs) very proud of it you know it's it's such a big institution within uh maymont or within sorry richmond yeah um so it's uh yeah i've i've been just kind of working my way up and i can't imagine really being anywhere else right now great yeah
0: So I know we talked about your ornithology class and I know you definitely learned a ton about, you know, bird bodies in it. And in the show I've explored, you know, how bird bodies work and the amazing physiology. Um, what, um, what kind of stuff has the, the birds that you've taken care of, what, what kind of have they taught you about, you know, their, their
1: amazing bird bodies? uh, They are, you know, they're all like so different. Um, so I, I, have like all these like kind of like key points that i tell guests or uh tour goers what what have you yeah um, act, act like i'm on a tour <laughs> yeah so here's our bald eagles um, but i i think um you know bald eagles are so funny to me because they are like you know our patriotic symbol of america and and they're touted as these really big beautiful birds and um bald eagles to me working with them personally it, they're probably the least willing to um how do i put this lightly like they're kind of you know lower on the uh smart scale if you will <laughs> they're, they're really i was waiting like, for it <laughs> yeah i was trying to pick my words but they're they're really um interesting you know they're they're very very intelligent in the wild they take off uh Osprey's kills all oh, the time. Yeah. They
0: just follow them around and you're like, "Boop, yeah. that's
1: my fish, bud." <laughs> exactly. Like you can sit at Pipeline in um, Richmond uh, at this rapid and just watch all day over the summer uh, Osprey's and eagles battling each other. Um because that that area has such a big Osprey population, but um, so the, they're just these big bullies in the wild and in Alaska, they're, they're mm-hmm. found in dumpsters all the time, just ravaging McDonald's dumpsters. <laughs> hey, some people might argue that is the most American bird if it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. eating some McDonald's. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly.
1: Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, <laughs> um, but they, uh, they're really funny and, you know, you always hear this really loud, uh, very majestic call um in like tv shows and in movies and everything when it when a bald eagle is like flying through and a lot of people don't know that that's a red tail hawk um vocalization actually yeah so, yeah eagles just sounds so chittery and and um i, I don't know just they they're really funny. Um they they're, they're kind of just these weird old men that I work with at times, you know. They
0: do. Yeah, you know, they're just big, they're bulky, they kind of bulky, almost look like they're wearing like a big old oversized cloak or something and
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And my favorite thing to see with them is they they uh both of our bald eagles are most likely the victims of a car strike. Mm. Um so they both have really bad wing injuries and can't fly. Yeah. And if you ever see the, their exhibit, it's this big open exhibit um similar to like what you'd see at like bush gardens williamsburg and um, some other places that do display bald eagles um so they don't have like a surrounding to their enclosure besides a fence okay Uh, and so getting to we move them in and out every day with some food and um moving in uh they always are trying to wade through these kind of taller grasses in their exhibit and just seeing them pull up their wings and like seeing how long and goofy their legs are <laughs> is always it's always made me laugh like bringing them in um but yeah and then uh i mean speaking of red-tailed hawks um there i just i love seeing them like fly around uh in town and they're just such a nice like widespread um mm-hmm. very charismatic bird that i mean if you bird in north america you'll see one almost every time i feel oh, like oh yeah um but they uh you know we have wild ones on grounds that we see all the time and they're just such proficient hunters and i can't ever i can't ever get over how just well adapted and proficient hawks are and and how they hunt um and a a weird thing that i've learned while working with hawks is that they actually pellet just like owls do too um so i remember like growing up in in school you would get like the owl pellet which yeah. is just like regurgitated um yep. basically fur and bones mm-hmm. you know and uh hawks will do a very similar thing and it's it, i remember the first time i saw them do that and i was kind of like what are you doing like i'm really concerned <laughs> and then i had to go ask like one of my supervisors at the time and just be like what what uh comes out of hawk's mouths is it a pellet you know (laughs) what did i just witness
0: worried it's like sick or something (laughs) yeah yeah
1: because it's it looks different for sure it's got like it's more like of the stomach contents of the animal rather than like the bones and fur but there is bones and fur yeah Um, so it it looks like seedy it's kind of strange (laughs) but um that's actually a really great way that birds of prey uh like dispense um Uh, they help pollinate almost uh, by eating, you know, a mouse that ate
0: these flower
1: seeds over in like a different field, Mm -hmm. Uh, a hawk when it regurgitates that or an owl too, it can sometimes, you know, help pollinate that, that seed or, or whatever, germinate that seed in a new area. I never thought of that. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but, um, (laughs) and I I don't, I don't think it's like this really big contribution to germination and pollination, but but seed dispersal. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. little things add
0: up, you know, and uh, For sure. a big hawk can go a long ways too. Much, much farther than that. a
1: little mouse would have gone.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and I mean like all the differences between the hawks that we have, cause we have uh, red tail, red shoulder, and then broad wing hawk. So the cold adaptation of, uh, cold weather adaptation of the red shoulder and the red tail is so much different than our broad wing hawk because broad wing hawks migrate. Um, so typically in the wintertime, kettle are my special little girl, she would go down to uh, she would fly with a huge flock of Broadwing hawks down into uh, the Gulf of Texas area and then um, convene with more and then fly further south. So mm-hmm. one of my biggest challenges with her is trying to change diets up um, according to season because she wants to just pack on fat right now um, and get ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. She's
0: like, I got to fly thousands of miles. Come on. Exactly. Yeah.
1: She's like, give me another mouse right now. (laughs) Um, But in the end of the day, um, that's like one of the biggest challenges is just those physiological differences between even, uh, you know, species of the same genus. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's quite the challenge. She, she, Surprises me with how fast she can put on weight for such a little <laughs> bird, you know. Because yeah. um, broadwing hawks are pretty tiny. Um, although, like I, I just learned this the other day that they're one of the most, if not the most, populated raptors in North America. Oh, really? And, yeah, and I had no idea. In Virginia, they just kind of pass through for a period of time. Oh. Um, so it's it was kind of shocking to hear. But yeah, because I, I see like
0: coopers and red-tailed mm-hmm. and red shoulders you see them all the time i feel like you know you know broad wings i'm like never
1: really seeing um yeah hmm. i think somebody said they saw a pair of them in virginia or like in maymont this is an old coworker, mm-hmm. not too long ago but then in my mind like so they can have such different colors even like the red tails that i see that are wild on the grounds compared to our red tails they're so different sometimes yeah um yeah. just in their coloration so it's hard to tell like on a first glance, but I yeah, mean, they're around. Yeah.
0: I mean, I feel like I see a, a hawk circling or something. I'm like, Oh yeah. Red right tail. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> we have ones like the wild ones at Maymont are so white underneath. They're almost like mm. leucistic in a way. Mm. Um, but I, you know, that's just me speculating Yeah, a, <laughs> a hopeful bird nerd. <laughs>
0: I haven't done an episode on them yet, so I can't, uh, <laughs> contribute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um Does Kettle ever, do you think, like, when the winter rolls around, she's, like, pissed that she's not, you know, on the Gulf Coast hanging out?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure she is. Um, We try to help her out by, we actually, if you were to walk through um, our raptor exhibits in the dead of winter, if it's really cold out, Mm -hmm. you'll notice that our black vulture and our uh, broadwing hawk kettle are both off exhibit for periods of time. Mm. Um, And it's because due to... Permitting guidelines and their own personal uh, thresholds that they exhibit, um, we will create them and bring them to separate exhibits uh, behind the scenes mm-hmm. that have nice heaters and um, wind blocks around them. So we try to give them a nice, like, kind of fifty-degree day every day. Um, and we'll like, you know, if it's warmer, we'll we'll put them back back out on exhibit. But uh, the goal is to try to make her hope that she. Uh, or you know, make her think that she is in Gulfport, uh, (laughs) or or some Mexican city. Yeah, down in. I think they go all the way down to Brazil a lot of the time. So, um, Mm. maybe down in the Rio. (laughs) Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Bring
0: her a margarita sometime. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A bop margarita. Yeah. Oh, god! It made my stomach turn immediately. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah and that that uh black vulture I did do an episode on on vultures and yeah i remember the black black vultures you know they like the more warm climate and stuff uh, versus the the turkeys they got that uh bare head you know they need a if it's going to be cold they need like a a nice winter hat or something keep them warm yeah yeah
1: i don't know i don't know how far black vultures go up my family lives in maine and i feel like i've seen them up there yeah yeah but um i know they they do i think they crept up from like southern north america even like their range expanded further north uh over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as the climate warms and everything, but, oh, yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> but yeah, check out my episode on, on vultures. Um, I'll have to go back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, um, so I'm also very curious about working up close with the owls too, because, you know, definitely in the wild, they're birds, you never really see up close. So, um, you know, what kind of stuff have you, you know, noticed about them that really, I mean, the average burger is is never going to really be able to see.
1: I, That's a great question. Um, You know, one of the the things that I think I've learned working with them is they don't call or vocalize much um, when you are working with them. So when they do, and obviously I'm hearing it more frequently than like the general public. Right. When they do, it's become so easy to identify what I'm hearing in the wild. Um, so the other day I was, I got up so early for some reason and I heard an owl in my backyard and immediately I was like, that's a barred owl. Um, (laughs) and, and just like tried to go out and find it. And, um, I was actually camping with, uh, my girlfriend, um, Claire and and some other friends and we were sitting out by the fire and I heard and then saw two barred owls sitting together. Oh, I, I did a, um, I did like a vocalization and, uh, they have this kind of, it's called a who cooks for you. Yeah. 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 And so I, I did that and then I called one in closer to me and, um, it was like, it was sitting on this branch, like not very far away and it was, it was so surreal. So like maybe those are like the things that (laughs) I appreciate the most about them. But, um, the, the one thing that I've learned with uh, gray horned owls especially is that they are so strong and um, their foot strength is the highest of any bird like in North America. Oh, no way. Um, And they, yeah, they kill their prey typically from not only their weight when they land on it, um, but then it's their foot strength will just crush the thing too. (laughs) So when we do, um, we do what we we call quarterly vet catch-ups with our Raptors where we, We get their weights the day before we then, um, catch them, whether it's in a crate or net or, um, call them onto a glove, anything like that. We then, um, check out their keel score. So we, we kind of like check how, how much fat they're storing on their, their keel and their chest. Oh, Um, yeah, yeah. They get a score like one through, um, one through nine. So, you know, one is super low, no fat, really skinny. Nine is way too fat. Probably shouldn't even be able to fly. Um, <laughs> Big old chubby bird. <laughs> yeah, fat ass bird. <laughs> but, um, then uh, we, um, we also like trim their beaks and talons um, because they can't do it as easily as they would be able to naturally. Right. Um, so when we do that with our great horned owl, we, I try to switch gloves because she can get through leather oh pierce your hand like she's made me bleed through a glove before (laughs) and it's uh it's not a equipment malfunction it's just that yeah she is so strong and right before they get um trimmed her her nails are just so sharp oh my god yeah Yeah. (laughs) she gets like this crazy death grip on your hands yeah i don't know if i'm gonna get out of this (laughs) and she's the one that doesn't like you right yeah yeah so and it's funny because you know um other people have to do the training with her and we we kind of like try to do if there's a, a quote-unquote bad thing that's going to happen so an injection for an animal that isn't yeah. getting injections regularly or uh, for the raptors catching them up if that's going to happen we try to have the person that they don't work with primarily um catch them up so that it's not this like Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, like they yeah. don't they don't lose interest in that person, but yeah um, get, her, get a stranger
0: to be the bad guy, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly,
1: yeah, for um Zena, the grey horned owl she uh she just won't work with me, so her people that do train her are the ones that have to catch her up, um <laughs> which is very willingly on her part. Yeah. But then I'm just standing in the background like watching and she has this dead <laughs> eye lock on me the entire time. Like, she Let me at him. <laughs> yeah, she's like, somehow I know this guy did this to me. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. It's forever. your fault. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty miraculous. Like I'll, I'll go there in you know, plain clothes and, um, they, uh, she'll, she'll recognize me right off the bat. They're like, And I swear to God, it's from my footsteps too. Um,
0: I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, they have great cool. hearing.
1: So, yeah. 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 Um, and I, I think that that's another really cool uh, thing that I've learned about them is that with our barred owls, we actually have um, Artemis, our fully flighted barred owl, trained to um, fly from position to position within our exhibit based off of these little like sound remotes we have. Oh. So we have like uh, one through five sound remotes and we can place them in different spots and exhibit and trigger them independently so she'll have to fly from like one which is like in the corner of her exhibit over to number two which is then kind of like up in this tree and then down to three and you know what i'm saying so like we can Mm -hmm. she triangulates it and we'll fly to those sounds based off of where they are wow Um, that's awesome yeah it's pretty impressive um like with the asymmetrical hearing and everything yeah
0: I know that's something that, you know, through, uh, I did an episode on bard owls and that was like, I don't know, like the top fact that I learned about, you know, just owls in general, everyone, I feel like you're taught in school or just, you know, on, you know, National Geographic that, oh, they have this amazing night vision and that's how they see at night and get their prey and stuff. Um, but it's, it's no, like their whole, the reason why they have that disc face and everything, um, Everything about their, you know, biology is really centered around their, their amazing ears and just directing sound to their ears. That's how they're finding and killing prey, you know, in the darkness of night. Um, and I, that was really surprising to me. And that's so cool that you all have utilized that, you know, in her in her training, kind of acting off of a natural instinct in her.
1: Yeah, um, that that's like the most important part of our training a lot of the time is to... Um, And that's why we call them behaviors and not like tricks or something like that, because we're trying to get them to exhibit these natural behaviors to then show the public and be like, this is why you should be passionate about this animal. Look how cool it is. Um, And so, yeah, like being able to utilize those, those amazing behaviors and different physiology adaptations that they have is just, it's uh, the coolest way to educate people in my opinion.
0: Yeah. um, And what I love about, you know, Educating yourself about, you know, birds, but, you know, any animal is, like, through, you know, appreciating them, uh, you develop respect for them and everything, and also leading into their, you know, conservation and stuff. Um, have, have you, through working with these animals, like, I don't know, found yourself more involved in, like, animal conservation stuff, or have you had any teaching experiences that then, like, people were more interested in um, in animal conservation?
1: Yeah. Um, I personally, um, you know, I just try to do my part with, with everything and, and try to, you know, recycle and and do (laughs) all that to just try to help the earth. Um, but a lot of the conservation that I do is just kind of partnered with Maymont. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, have a ton of free time outside of work um so then right. uh, but there are like all these chapters for different like zoo keeping organizations and this and that that help out with um conservation funds for like you know saving rhinos or this or that so like i'll try to if my friends are involved in that i'll try to like send them money um if i can or this or that but um and i i mean i haven't done too much with like any other <laughs> raptor conservation yeah that I yeah can think of but um, the the point that I love is when you're done, um, we give like presentations of animals or you're done talking to a a, a group of uh, campers or, like over the summer. Um, that is what really sticks with me is the kids that ask questions and then you're able to answer and you kind of see like a light bulb go off. And yeah. they're they're then, you know, talking to their parents about it and their parents are getting involved, hopefully, or, mm-hmm. you know, not, not shrugging it off in some way. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I, I think um, that really means the most to me, like the educational aspect of the job is so fun and rewarding to me. And my, I've mentioned her earlier, my girlfriend, Claire, she's a teacher. So we, we kind of share that passion. And, um, you know, it's, it's nice to kind of like have that Uh, mindset like within the relationship because it's just like easier to kind of like push it into your daily life at work um, I feel like too certainly
0: Um, and speaking of kids shout out to Mohi um, my friend's kid who uh, was excited to hear that I'm doing this interview actually and, and one oh, really? person so yeah. <laughs> nice. yeah yeah so shout out to you Mohi um, uh, I hope you learned something
1: <laughs> yeah sorry I said fat ass earlier <laughs> <laughs> and now he said it twice come on oh, no. you're man. fine <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, uh, also I want to hear some of the more like humorous stories too. You, you know, you talked earlier about, uh, uh, that black vulture taking a little, a little snip out of your, um, chin. What are some other, like, kind of, I don't know, snafus or just, I don't know, times you laughed out loud, um, you know, doing your job, um, with birds and then, you know, also just in general.
1: Oh man. On the day to day, I crack up, you know, at least once at one of the animals, um, for the birds, it's always like a goofy face or like one (laughs) of my, One of my favorite things is when, um, our male barred owl is done eating, he just kind of looks at me with the dumbest, sleepiest face and I just, I love it so much. And every day I just, I have to take a moment to just like appreciate that. Um, and I don't know, it comes down to like one of the, if a bird, you know, eats their diet really goofy and they're eating their mouse tail, um, (laughs) As it like down. a noodle, exactly yeah it's like a lady and tramp scene almost <laughs> <laughs> um, or man, our bears are so charismatic and and really just funny to watch and um little bear uh we have two uh north american black bears uh-huh one named big bear and one named little bear and he's just uh a mess, for lack of a better term. He um, was abandoned by his mother very young and oh. found on I-95 as a cub. Oh, man. And um, his mother probably abandoned him because he has some sort of genetic disorder, um, similar to probably Addison's disease in oh. dogs. It's what, our, it's what our vet has kind of diagnosed or compared it to the most. Um, hmm. But there's really no, like, case studies done on that in, in black bears, so he might be like the, you know, one of the first ones kind of like understood to have this and without the care we give him, he would have definitely, you know, passed yeah. long ago. Yeah. Um. So he is just this kind of short square shaped bear. Um, <laughs> he puts on a lot of weight cause he has all these hormonal issues.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. He probably and, gets steroids
1: daily. I assume for the, it's uh, and Every other day, right now, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he just packs on the poundsies. yeah. He's just Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> into a little bear. Um, but he's he's so gross. get to the like, honey,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs>
1: and, uh, um, Big Bear is like so neat and clean, and he is just a very uh, he reminds me of like me, if I was a bear yeah. besides being neat and clean, but he's very orderly. Like he, he needs like his structure and all this. Yeah. Um, and then little bear is just this like wildflower <laughs> kid, you know, and just kind of, he just does, lives life at his own pace. And I I'd say he's probably one of the, the biggest highlights of the day. Usually. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, for our male elk, like he, he got a flake of hay the other day and he decided to wear it on his antlers for the day. Um, <laughs> he's just, I mean, we have some real characters that we work with. It's <laughs> That's probably the best part of the job is just getting to meet all these personalities that you would never really assume an elk has a personality. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're so funny. It, it's just, it's constant comedy with the animals.
0: Well, that's so cool. It sounds like they're getting stimulated a lot. I mean, those two bears sound like, you know, like a, an odd couple sitcom or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like,
1: uh... Yeah, it's uh, they're such polar opposites, but they're the same exact age, and and they they get along pretty well. Um, but you know, they get into their arguments just <laughs> like any good couple, and it's usually about who gets to sit in the sun spot, who gets to go <laughs> into the pond in that area. Um, but yeah, they're they're so stimulated. I mean, most of our animals have exceptionally large exhibits for mm-hmm. the species requirements um, that we get from USDA and the guidelines we follow from other zoo um, institutions. Right. Uh, Like our black bears have the, I I believe it's still the largest North American black bear exhibit in North America. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. And I mean, it's amazing for them and i mean i can attest to how big it is because we have to weed whack that god forsaken <laughs> exhibit every summer multiple times and i mow it all the time but i mean it, it's awesome to get them to see there to get to see them like on this big quarry wall and in this giant pond and everything and it's all just part of this weird old estate that we we uh, get to work in every day wow
0: yeah that's great um you, you touched on earlier in the episode two, when you were talking about preparing the diet with like, you know, if you need medicines or anything. And then I was just thinking about it with little bear and his, in his poor Addison's disease. Um, but, um, what, uh, the birds of prey you help take care of, what, what kind of issues do they run across as far as like illnesses or, you know, um, uh, parasites or diseases, you know, that, um, obviously a lot of this stuff would happen in the wild too, but, um, you know
1: they, they come across it too in, um, in a, a zoo setting, yeah. Um, so I'll start with parasites. We run fecal exams on all of our animals, mm-hmm. so a fecal float exam, and we run it through a slide. We have a certain threshold of gut bacteria, or, or, um, I mean, for, for goats, especially goats are <laughs> never not going to have parasites, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> so we have a certain like threshold that they can be in but with um our other birds and or our other animals and then the birds um we will run those if we really need to but there's typically not a a big reason to unless we're seeing a problem right um but then because they're all post rehab in some way um they are a old and b um still dealing with these long-lasting injuries right so some of them um because uh they you know get really sore they get um joint supplements okay. or uh medicam meloxicam that kind of mm-hmm. thing yep um like NSAID. said yeah exactly and then we use um gabapentin for um pain and then uh just kind of cognitive problems a lot of the times in these yeah. car car strikes they really they break their wings but they also hit their head mm-hmm. um And if they don't rupture an eye, which is really lucky in a car strike, they typically have some sort of long-lasting head trauma of some sort. Um, So the Gabapentin really just helps kind of keep them on their daily basis of of cool, calm, and collected and doing their thing. Right. Um, But obviously, like, it's all consulted with a vet beforehand. Uh, We have a contracted vet. Uh, shout out Dr. Lucy and <laughs> hey, um, Dr. Lucy. <laughs> yeah. And she, uh, she works, she's amazing and works with us um, as often as she can at least twice a month. Um, and we'll change diet amounts or, or medication amounts if we need to. Mm-hmm. And, um, we're just kind of trying to figure it all out. Um, but they're all pretty old too, which doesn't help any. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but Specifically, right now, we're battling avian influenza. That's oh, the main problem. man. Um, so we, we've taken all of our precautions that we can um, for the most part. Uh, we unfortunately don't have anywhere in our facility to put birds of prey for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. It isn't outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need that vitamin D. They need warmth. They need sunshine. Um, right. And so we, we've been, you know, trying to change our clothes as much as possible while we're working um, doing quarantine with other birds. So if you're working with the birds of prey for the day, you don't work with the chickens and vice versa. Right. Um, right. And then we also have, we have like sanitary foot baths everywhere. Uh, oh. if there's a bird of prey right now too. So it's, wow. um, it's, we're taking it seriously. We're hoping it's kind of on the, on the downhill, but, um, it's been a battle for every zoo institution that there is right now. Just, it's been rough
0: and this is usually coming from wild birds too um yeah and
1: yeah. yeah
0: clean your feeders people it helps yeah, exactly. not transmit so many diseases um,
1: yeah and they, the, the silly thing that i learned too is like it, and it's really hard in public parks because canada geese just hang out there all the time but waterfowl are the ones that will transmit it but not die from it a lot of the time uh, and so if you're seeing if you are around birds a lot if you bird yourself if you take care of your bird feeders like you were just saying um, try to avoid any Canada geese try to avoid their feces on the ground yeah Um, they're just these uh, you know biotic vectors at this point (sighs) wow
0: yeah I didn't even think of that man Um, Plus, in addition to them blocking traffic in my neighborhood, they feel (laughs) it's like they're a street gang.
1: (laughs) I know. They like they look at you like I'll take on that car. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like they're not
0: scared at all. This two ton like thing of metal.
1: Like, (laughs) nah, (laughs) I know. I'll drive through the park and, you know, I see the same damn geese every damn day. (laughs) And uh, I'll I'll be like, I'm going to hit you, you know, like kind of facetiously but yeah i give them their time to leave but i mean they you'd think they'd get the memo by now but they'll mm-hmm. just stand in the middle of the road <laughs> yeah
0: i'm just waiting for the day when they you know realize there's more of them than there are us or something and uh
1: <laughs> they start being able to talk yeah
0: i mean heck the australians lost their war against the emus i i don't know if we'd do any better against the canada geese
1: <laughs> emus are scary I, I mean like that's another bird that i've worked with lightly oh really at the virginia zoo i worked there for a summer yeah um and the the male i believe his name was boris um he was so sweet and and kind and he's a lot smaller like going back to physiology sexual dimorphism in birds is typically favoring females being a lot larger Yep. and um so boris was tiny and, and really sweet and i forget this this female emu's name and i don't know how i'm forgetting her name but she was evil And she would try um, to – they had yard attendants where you can walk through the um, exhibit with kangaroos, wallabies, and emus. They had yard attendants that would kind of like try to usher the emus away from guests and everything. Oh, my gosh. Um, But when camps came through, the emus would feel like they wanted to challenge little kids because they're they're like, oh, you're so much smaller than me. Let me pick on you so i have to stand there with my arm way above my head i'm six two and this emu is looking dead into my eyes yeah i've got my arm way above my head trying to show them that i'm way bigger than it and I'm yeah like, it's okay kids we're gonna be fine <laughs> <And she's laughs>
0: back away slowly star. don't look yeah. it in the
1: eyes <laughs> yeah no sudden movements anyone <laughs> uh, so that was always so funny to me. i forget that i worked with with and i did not do much of the husbandry but i i worked around them at times they were just they're wild birds yeah
0: oh my gosh that's crazy man um well i mean i feel like we could talk about (laughs) stuff forever (laughs) shoot the bird shit um but um i don't know any uh anything else you want to say any closing remarks or anything i mean certainly visit maymont um i mean uh everybody i encourage it it sounds like they're doing some great work there and um, and Gavin's working hard to, to help keep the birds healthy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I'm there, I'm there too much, but, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely stop by Maymont. Um, and you know, it's a free public park. There's suggested donation, but you know, it's a great place to, to go with your family or first date or, you know, just even go for a run. Um, so definitely stop by, see the animals. Um, donate if you feel so inclined or are able to but um i just want to say thank you for having me on it's been of course and um yeah check out raptors and birds of prey especially ospreys
0: (laughs) yep (laughs) yeah if you go to maymont drop them some dollars those those bop balls don't pay for themselves
1: (laughs) i know these damn bop balls get more expensive day by day
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Gavin. This has been a, a blast. Um, you know, maybe in the future we can circle back and and talk again about any, you know, new experiences you have and stuff. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you. And
1: hopefully no more uh, chunks are taken out of my face. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Next yeah.
0: next time your nose is just gradually <laughs> you're more and more like gone. Yeah. And the black vulture gets
1: fatter and fatter. <laughs> yeah. She's just me now. Yeah, sure.
0: she's she's more you than you are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, man. Um, well, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, as always, stay dirty, fellow birdies. Dirty Bird Podcast is brought to you by me, John, with my rotating panel of guests and co-hosts. Thanks for being on the show, everybody. The Dirty Bird theme song is by Ricky Pistone. Check out his groovy and hilarious music videos on YouTube. The outro music you're listening to right now is a song, New York Redneck by the Sidewalk Slammers. Check them out wherever you get your music. The Dirty Bird podcast logo is by the very talented TJ Ronoski. And, of course, a shout-out to my beautiful wife, Lauren, who created my original logo. Check out the show notes for this episode for a full list of credits for any bird calls or sounds used in the episode. Thanks for listening.
1: Brooklyn ain't never coming back. Tim's on the ground in the concrete jungle. I might get into a little rumble.